Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, we're here on day whatever of quarantine, and uh, <laughs> we're going to spend some time in God's Word. And, um, something really cool I was thinking about this morning. I was kind of browsing Facebook before I uh, before went live here. And I was looking at all the different churches of people I'm friends with, or, you know, they attend the churches, and... Uh, it was so cool to see how many churches have gone live. I've seen church services today in two countries, um, different places across the U.S., and it's just really cool to see. You know, I know there's a lot of people that feel like churches have been shut down, but really, like I've said before, we've been just relocated. And the cool part is, is that, in my opinion, the gospel is really going forth in a way for a lot of churches that it hasn't in the past because there's been a focus now on it. Uh, I can say for our church at least, you know, we get more people seeing our messages online than people that walk into the building. And I would have to assume for people, it's the same. Because it's so easy. People are going to tune in from their homes, from their job, from wherever else that they can and watch the service versus having to actually go to a physical building. Now, I want to clarify, I'm not de-emphasizing the importance of meeting together. The Bible even talks about that. But just this cool opportunity we have right now where churches are putting a huge emphasis on web-based online services. And the gospel is still going forth. People are stuck in their homes right now and you know where they're going to go is online. And the churches are simply also going online as well. As such, more people are spending more time on Facebook, on Twitter, on all these places. And as churches continue to out content to those, more people are going to see it. So while I'm definitely looking forward to all of us getting to meet again, you know, I miss everyone in our church family. And, you know, we, we as a family, we miss you guys. Um, this is still such a golden opportunity for the church to just, to really push into an area that churches have take, been taking advantage of, but even take more advantage of it. Um, for the service today, we're going to be uh, wrapping up. I've uh, Off and on over several, uh, over several weeks, I had been teaching out of the tail end of Hebrews, um, starting in Hebrews 11. We've gone through 11, 12, uh, and now we're going to be going into 13 today. So for any of you guys um, that are watching, um, we're going to be starting off in Hebrews 13, 1. Um, and also good morning to everyone that's watching. I see I've even got some friends from uh, my college that have uh, tuned in. That's awesome. So glad to see you guys. Um, but you know, I've really enjoyed teaching through Hebrews. There's just a lot, especially, like I said, we've done mostly the, the tail end of it, but there's just a lot in Hebrews that I think is good for People, especially at a time when people are very unsure about the future, and this is all about faith. You know, and the Bible says, you know, faith is the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And at church one time, I talked about how, you know, faith is not just a religious concept. Um, people have faith in the stock market. People have faith in their jobs. People have a chair. Um, I gave the analogy at church that I had actually heard this analogy when I went to Karis Bible College, that... Um, you know, faith is just believing in something before you do it. You know, you sit in a chair, you believe that chair is going to hold your weight. And so, even though you have not maybe sat in that chair, say you're attending a new church, you go over to somebody's house for dinner, you have no idea who built that chair, where that chair's been, who else has sat in it if somebody else has tampered with it. But by faith, you sit in that chair, and depending on how you sit, you flop in the chair, possibly. And if that not able to hold, you're in for a very, very uh, big surprise as that chair falls apart on you. And that's the thing about faith, is faith is simply acting on something because you believe it's going to work. You know, by faith, people jump out of planes and believe their parachute's going to open. You know, so faith, while obviously a key point of the gospel, is not just something that you can only find in religion, you know. Like I said, people have faith in the stock market, and you can see what happens when people's faith in the stock market, you know, when the stock market fails, people's faith in it goes right out the window. And then, you know, it starts working again. People come back and trust stocks again. It's this constant motion. 
So I've really enjoyed this and you know, will be such a key thing in the days to come. You know, as we look towards, you know, Christ's return, faith is going to be something we're going to have to have. You know, like we said, by faith, all these things happened. By faith, every day, we're writing our own story. You know, but, you know, Noah and Moses and Elijah and, you know, Jesus and Peter and Paul and the church and, you know, everything that happened but the thing is, each one of us is writing our own story as well of by faith blank. You know, um, I'm going to give a little shout out here. You know, my grandpa is a good example of faith. And, you know, he's he's been a he's been a great example of God in my life. Um, you know, he's he's in his early 70s and he's still going out preaching the gospel, sharing the word. I've seen him going out cross carrying even with all this going on, just puts on a mask. God, I've seen him go on missions trips and, you know, he, he's not afraid to talk by faith. He just keeps preaching and believing that God's going to bring the result. Um, and that's how all of us should be, you know, by faith, you know, all of our needs are met by faith. Uh, we're healthy, you know, everything that happens in life happens by faith in a Christian life. And that's exactly the, the mark. One of the marks of a Christian life should be faith. And uh, by faith, we believe for healing in, the, uh, you know, a pandemic, which, I mean, as far as I've seen in recent news, isn't as much of a pandemic as media made it out to be. It's a shocker. But, you know, by faith, when the whole world's saying you're going to get sick, by faith, we are healed because of faith in the stripes of Jesus. So we're going to keep going through with this. Um and we're going to finish out Hebrews today, and then uh, I'm going to find some other book of the Bible. I'm just going to ask the Lord, where are we going next? And, you know, I really kind of enjoy doing this one chapter at a time with you guys because it just, it's a really good way that we can all just work our way through the Bible, you know, in a very line-by-line, precept-upon-precept method. Um, so I guess let's start this off with, you know, let's let's make sure we start this off with prayer. You know, we want to make sure we're... We invite God to join us for this. We want to make sure that, you know, we are just opening ourselves up for what he's got to share. So, Father, in the name of Jesus right now, I lift up this time to you. Father, I thank you that as we look into your word today, that you are just going to open each one of our eyes to what your word has to say. Holy Spirit, lead, guide, and direct us. You can show us things that we haven't seen before. You know, the thank you, Lord, that your word is living and active, and as such, there's something new every day, every time we read it. So, Father, we thank you for this, and we just ask you to bless this time and be with everyone as we're still in this time of quarantine. And just thank you, Lord, that you're just bringing peace to everyone, that people will take advantage of this time to just spend time with family and spend more time with you away f while we're away from all the busyness of life, and we can take the time to slow down. We thank you, Lord, for all this. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's start it off in uh, Hebrews 13.1. And right off the bat, we got some good stuff to talk about. Hebrews 13.1, let brotherly love continue. So let's think about that. Let brotherly love continue. So what he's saying is you've been acting in brotherly love. Continue. And as I started doing a little research on this, it took me to... Um, it took me to, sorry, lost my note there for a minute. <laughs> you know, when you think about it, people, you know, when people are always talking about brotherly love, a Christian should be, you know, a sign of a Christian is love. And the thing is, good morning. Um, let's read. The thing about the Christian life is the Christian life is known as one that's trademarked by love. And um, it was interesting, when I started looking at the notes on this thing and kind of doing a little research, it took me over to Matthew 25 Mama. and 20, 25, 35, verse 35, where it says, so if you want to look at this with me too, you can, <laughs> Mark, uh, or Matthew 25, verse 35 says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick. And you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. You know, the thing about it is, is that, and this is actually also with the one verse in a couple of, uh, in a couple of verses from now, 
but you know, brotherly love, you know, like I said, and I know I said, I know I've said, I know a lot, <laughs> but the Christian life is trademarked by a life of love, looking out for other people. You know, you're the person that gives your neighbor a meal when food's tight. You're the person that prays for somebody that nobody will pray with or talks to somebody knows nobody talks with. The whole part of God's love is God love, God's love makes the first move. It reaches out. And by faith, we do the same. You know, by faith, we, when we don't have, we bless those that curse us. You know, the Bible talks about, you know, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. The world would tell you, and, and almost, I would say, logic, like human logic, human wisdom, would tell you if your enemy's hungry, especially if you're thinking wartime scenario, starve him. You know what I mean? Like, it sounds a little harsh, but if you really think about it, uh, the secular world is all... Now, I'm not saying that there are people who are not Christians that don't do good things, because obviously there are good people that are not Christians in the sense that they do good things. They take care of people. They are kind-hearted. I know plenty of people that unfortunately don't know Christ as their Savior, but yet are still very caring. But at this point, we should be as well. There's no excuse for us not to be because we have Jesus on the inside of us. But that's the thing is human wisdom and knowledge says if your enemy's hungry, starve him. God says if your enemy's hungry, feed him. God might tell you, hey, you know, Lord, I've only got this much food. Well, by faith, I want you to help feed your neighbor too. Or by faith, I want you to bless this person with this money. Well, Father, I need that money for this. Yes, but my love, I need you to show my love to them and I will take care of you by faith. And that's the thing is it's, man, that's good. You know, it's powerful when you think about it. Faith and love. You know, hope and love, the grace of these is love. Love and compassion for people is part of God's heart. And then faith is the action behind it. You know, for God so loved the world, if, if it stopped right there at God so loved the world, it would be a very, very depressing story in a way because, well, God so loved the world and then it continued on. Well, you know, God can love the world, but he didn't, nothing changed until he took the action. You know what I mean? For God so loved the world that he sent, he made action. Faith is an action. By faith, you go out and you share the gospel with people. By faith, you go and you tell people that there's hope. By faith, look at an impossible situation that seems hopeless and know that regardless of how impossible it seems, God's going to take care of it. You know, it's just, it's really, and it's childlike faith. You know, God talks about how, you know, look at kids. Why? Because kids have that kind of faith. When my daughter gets up in the morning, and I've talked about this before, and I'm going to talk about it again because people need to hear it again. When my daughter gets up in the morning, she's not stressing about if there's food in the fridge. She's not stressing if the heat's going to be on in the house. She's not stressing if there's going to be water running or if bills are going to be paid. She just knows that her father and her mother are going to take care of it because they love her. Now, if we about this if we can do and give such great things to our kids and yet we are sinful and fallen and imperfect how much more our father who loves us man i wasn't planning to unpack all that out of this verse but praise god we're just gonna have a time in the word this morning but that's the thing is when you look at this god's love which is one of the most key things you know everything about the bible the bible is a story of god's love for even if it doesn't always the Bible is a love story. And it's summed up in John 3.16. But 3.17 as well. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. And that's the thing is, but it took faith. You know, Jesus acted in faith too. And that's the thing is, we should act in that same faith as well. Let brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love, God's love, show through. Think about this, in the time when people are panicking and in crisis, that's a great time for God's love to show through. Because show through because when, when people are acting out of panic and people are acting out of stress, 
Love is not usually the thing they're acting. They go into survival. They're thinking about them. But love thinks about the other. You see, survival thinks about me. Love thinks about you. Continuing on, though, it says, Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. If you ever want a little bit of an interesting unpack on that, go look at the story of Abraham. In, um, it's in Genesis 18, 1 through 22, when, G- when Abraham entertains uh, some strangers. And, you know, it's later showed that it was obviously God visiting him. Verse 3, remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Those who are mistreated, since you, since you yourself are also, are in the body also. You know, right now, even as, even as screwed up as things sometimes are in the U.S., as a nation, for the most part, we still are in very good shape as the church goes. There are people in nations right now who are being put in prison for having a Bible. Now, don't get me wrong. I know there's People being arrested, and I'm glad there's organiz- Christian organizations getting them out and challenging local governments and stuff like that. But as a whole, the U.S., you can still own a Bible. You can still be a Christian and not be arrested for it. And I believe in that we're going to continue to see that if the church continues to stand up. We have to stand up for our rights and this nation's godly, hist- godly history. But there are nations right now, there are people right now who are sitting in prison because they own a Bible, because they say they believe in God, because they said that Jesus is the only way. Remember them. Remember all the Christians right now who are either dying for their faith, in jail for their faith, are being abused for their faith. Remember them, because you know what? When one part of the body is hurting, the whole body is affected. Just like your body, if one of your body parts is broken, trust me, the rest of your body will react. And your body goes to heal. And that's the thing. We must be that same body as well. We must look to heal where the body is broken. And thankfully, we have Jesus to help with that. Going on to verse 4, it says, Marriage is an honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. You know, that's a beautiful thing is that marriage honorable. Now, I'm talking God's definition of marriage here, and some people might not like this, but I'm talking God's definition of marriage. One man and one woman. And I still, to this day, believe that's exactly what the marriage covenant is supposed to be. It's one man, one woman. Anything beyond that is outside of God's plan for marriage. Anything outside of that is wrong. But it says marriage honorable is honorable among all. And the bed undefiled. See, that's the thing is marriage, the marriage covenant, intimacy within marriage, all that, it's honorable, it's beautiful, it's what God wanted. God told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, and there's only one way you can be fruitful and multiply. If I have to explain it any farther, I'm going to send you back to your teachers. But you know what I'm saying? It's a Marriage is a wonderful thing. Marriage is an honorable thing. And sex within marriage is a wonderful thing as well. I'm trying to be funny here, really. It was something God put together. And as such, we honoring the marriage covenant. You know, so many people today are living outside of marriage. I have friends that are this way, you know, are living together outside of marriage, are in long-term dating relationships, essentially, where they live together, they have sex, they pay each other's bills. I mean, it's marriage without the title. And that's actually what one person told me is, I used to work with somebody, I asked them, they were like, yeah, we've been together for 10 years. I'm like, oh, and they had three kids at the time together. And I said, oh, so, you know, how, so, you know, how long of that have you guys been married for? And he said, oh, we're not, we don't need a title. You know, we didn't want the, the title on it or the piece of paper. And, you know, it's like, why not? It's commitment. And that's the thing is, is people don't value that commitment anymore, that we will stay together for life. Because for anybody that's been married knows this, marriage is not easy. If anyone says they have an easy marriage, I don't know what to tell you. 
but I'm not saying marriage has to constantly be a struggle, but I'm saying marriage has its challenges. And you know, marriage is really one of those things that the devil's after. So we need to make sure that we're standing up for marriage. You know, sometimes in your marriage, you're going to have to use faith. Our marriage is going to stay together. By faith, we're going to get through this thing coming after our family. By faith, if there's one or the other spouses is going through something, by faith, you're going to be there by your spouse's side through the whole thing and see them come through on the other side and you're going to pray for them and you're going to keep loving them regardless of what's going on. You know, and by faith, you're going to see your marriage come out stronger no matter what you're going through. And faith, again, going back to faith, is one of those cornerstone things. It takes, I, I don't know, honestly, I don't know how people do marriage without faith and without God. I, I've i had to go to God so many times about things that I don't understand. I mean, just family in general, not even just marriage, I'll just say family as a whole. Family is something, I don't know how people do it without God. Because family's not easy. Marriage isn't easy, you know. None of this is easy. And the only thing I can think of is that's why you see so many people drinking, drugs, you know, being busy. Some people antidote their marriage by being busy just so that way they don't see each other. If they only see each other just a little bit, just barely enough to call it a marriage, then they can make sure that their marriage holds together because they never have to see or deal with each other. But, you know, what I'd like... And what I like about our marriage is it's a marriage that God's in. And I can say the same for, you know, any of you guys watching that are in this is your marriage is a marriage that God's in. And it says, you know, in the other half of the verse, it says that, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. You know, at the end of this thing, there's still a standard. You know, we talk about God's love, God's grace, which is all still true. Along with that, though, the Christian life has a standard. And you need to uphold a standard of living. See, people say, I don't like Christianity because of all their rules. Well, at some point in your life, there's going to be rules put on you, and you're going to have to either obey them or not. If you obey them, things go well. If you don't, things go badly. Even if you're on the right, you know, people that have done civil disobedience, they may be on the right, but if you break the law, things happen. Regardless. And the thing of it is, is that, you know, it, the Christian life should be one where you don't want to do it. As you spend time with God, as you get closer to God, the desire to want to fornicate or to commit adultery should fade away. You know, it talks about how if every man, or if a man be in Christ, he's a new creature. A new creation. Old has passed away, behold, all things are coming new. And you know what? It takes time a lot of times for the old to pass away and the new become and the new to come. And the thing about it is, is because I can speak when I've really made some because I got saved at a really young age, and I've talked about this before. But I would say kind of start starting into college, I really started deciding that I was gonna try to really make sure I'm living my life how God has wanted. And into marriage, I've tried to about that because the thing about it is, is I, I did a lot of back and forth going through high school and into, you know junior high into high school into early college I really did a lot of back and forth where I mean I still loved, still served him I still would go to church but I wrestled with a lot of problems because I didn't want to put other things aside and the thing of it is is that it, this is a warning but at the same point as you serve God this stuff should fade away. But I do find it interesting. It says marriage is honorable, but fornicators and adulterers will be Just telling you that, hey, marriage is a good thing, but doing it outside of God's plan, the end result will be judgment. One day, every person will give an account. And it's going to be what side of the blood and what side of the attorney, you know, who's going to be the person staying there with you? Are you going to go to God? On your own merits and on and try to stack up stack up against his standard because I can tell you you're not gonna meet it. That's the whole reason Jesus came. Jesus came and said, 
I will be, I will stand in your place. So that day when you stand before God, if you have Jesus, he's going to be like, he's one of mine. He's accepted salvation. He's accepted forgiveness. He's turned his life around. And it's been covered. His sins have been wiped away. You guys ever seen in movies, and it's sometimes kind of a cool part in the movie, when the person says, your record has been wiped. That's what happens when Jesus comes into your life and you let him be your Lord and Savior. Is that slate gets washed, that slate record, that whatever, gets wiped completely, deleted to be never found again. And that's the beauty of it, is that people remember what you do, and sometimes people will never let it go. But God forgives you, and I would say in a way forgives and forgets. You know, it's it's washed clean, it's washed white as snow, it's blot, you know, it's taken out, it never happened. Praise God that we have that kind of salvation and that kind of redemption. And in verse 5, it says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Covetousness. Ah, I have trouble pronouncing that word this morning. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, when you think about that, let your conduct be without covetousness. There we go. Got it right. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be cont- Let your without covetousness. Don't, you know, don't covet what somebody else has. We live in a society that says, look what you don't have and what they do have and here's how you can get to there. Think about, think about so many commercials. Um, you know, think about the uh, the iPhone, for example, or a car, or any of these. Think about all these different things that people say. Look what you don't have, but you could have it. You know, you want this. You need this. You're not the same. You're not a person without this. It says, "Be content with such things as." You know, and it's. I'm not saying that this says. You know, don't believe that. You know. <laughs> There can be better. But at the same point, there has to be a contentment in the Christian life. Because God's never going to leave you or forsake you. That's what brings contentment. You know, Paul Paul talked about this where he said, you know, I know how to abase and how to abound. I've been, you know, I've been poor and I've been, I've gone hungry and I've had food. The thing of it is, is that you need to live your life knowing that God is going to take care of your every need. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never leave you nor forsake you. That is why the Christian life can be content. Whether you're in a one-bedroom apartment, whether you're in a five-bedroom mansion, whether you're rich or whether you're happy, in the sense of like, you know, oh, yay, I'm happy. You know, I'm having a good moment. Not joyful, happy. Whether you're going through a time of sadness, remembering that he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. You know, if we were to sit here now and just go through in the chat and just start listing all the times that God has done something, that he hasn't left us nor forsaken us, that he's provided a need, that he has come through, we could absolutely overload the chat with all the times God has just come through and provided for us. You know, I mean, think about, just take a moment here and think about Every single time that God has come through, whether financially, whether spiritually has come through, maybe you just needed something from him, whether he's come through uh, emotionally, God has always done, has been in the business of never, of taking care of people, of never leaving people nor forsaking them. You know, Daniel in the lion's den, Elijah with the crows, um, Noah. I mean, we were just watching. We got a chance to see. Um, there's this app called Tubi, and they have um, the productions of Noah and Moses by sight and sound. And it was really cool watching the Noah one because I was thinking about that. Like, how much God took care of Noah? 
for as long, you know, we always say on well, 40 days and 40 nights, obviously he was not on there for just 40. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. But he was on there a lot longer than that. I mean, significantly longer. But God still took care of them. God made sure they had enough food. God brought the animals to him. God made sure that he always had the supplies he was going to need. God gave him the blueprints. I mean, even with God told him and said, I have found you righteous. I'm going to take care of you. Noah, God kept Noah and his family safe because, you know, people had to try to mess with Noah with all this. You know, think about, you hear stories of people that are just going through rough times handling it so well because they remember God is not going to leave them nor forsake them. Regardless of how bad your situation is, you can always take this to the bank that God will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, I wanted to build this up because this next verse just puts the point home. So we can boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You know, when you think about it, what can man, what can a virus, what can anything do to you? The Lord is my helper. You know, people always say, got my back, God's got your back. When you think about it, you, God, this is something I remember. I think I heard this. Oh, man, I don't remember where I heard this. There was this thing about you and God are a majority. You know, you want to talk about how people say, I always feel, you know, well, there's less of me than them. Yeah, but you and God together make a majority. Is my helper. I will not be... I will not fear. I will not be afraid. I will not be terrified. For what can man do to me? You know, when we think about that, what can man do to you? At the very worst, and I would really hope, you know, I, I believe a long life for everybody, but if they killed you for your faith, what's the worst outlook? Other than the fact that, you know what? You went home to be with Jesus. But still, what can man do to you? The one thing they can never do to you is they can't take away your salvation. They can't take that from you. They can't take your faith. Faith is something man can't get his hands on effect. The government can take away your rights. They can take away your money, your land, your homes. They can take away your life. And people can too. Not just the government, but people. But you know what? They can't take your faith. And they can't take your spot in your eternal home. Praise God for Reading this all together again, let's just read over that one more time. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Praise God, that's just something think about that. Meditate on that and just let that soak in. Continuing on verse 7, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, who follow... Consider the outcome of their conduct. You know? Think about those. You know, Pastor Wayne and the church, um, and I really appreciate You know, I've, you know, a while back it asked me to be the associate pastor of the church. And, you know, I, I've, it's a great honor and I, I appreciate it. But, you know, it, it always is a blessing when people come up. And I know it's a blessing for Wayne, Pastor Wayne. It's a blessing for myself. And people say, you know, it really blessed me what you said. Or we really appreciate what you do. And the reason why is, as the leader, there's a there's a level of, man, I want to really make sure I take care of this church. You know, even God even says, you know, that teachers were a stricter, I think it's judgment's the word, but you know, we're, we're held to a standard. If you're in any kind of leadership in a church, not only are you held to a standard by your congregation, but God holds you to a standard. He expects you to follow it. And it's not easy, and I'm, I'm so thankful for the grace of God because I mess up all the time. You know, if you meet somebody who says they're a Christian because they're the wrong kind of Christian, I am a Christian because I realized my need for God and His forgiveness, and every day I have to go to Him and just ask Him to help me a little more. Every day. And I don't think there's a single person watching this that would say different if you were to ask Him. You know, that's the thing. The Christian life is one that says, you know, Lord, I've realized my need for salvation. And I've realized my need 
for you. I've realized that I am not enough on my own. I need your help. Come into my life and help me. That's the Christian life. So you know, as now most of you watching are members of church, but for those of you that aren't, remember, if you're just a guest with us today, remember the pastors and the leaders in your life. You know, pray for those who are in leadership and authority over you, or even those that have been a spiritual mentor to you. You know, like I said, I, I take time and I pray for my grandpa or my parents because, and other people. You know, I, I had a pastor that I remember a, 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 when I went to ABC Church in Colorado. You know, Pastor Thad and. There were some things he taught that really just stuck with me, and just different people. And, and Andrew Walmack, you know, at the college, at Karis Bible College that we attended, these just these different people who have spoken into your life and have held at some point, whether currently or in the past, leadership in your life as Christians. Consider them. Think about them. Remember them. And consider the outcome of their conduct. Look what God's doing in their life because of their dedication to him to help you remember to stay fast to stay strong in your dedication. But take time, really, I want to take a second. Take time, pray for your church leaderships. Pray for those people who are in leadership in your life from a Christian perspective. I mean, pray for those that are in leadership in your life who aren't Christians either. They really need to be prayed for. You know, pray for your governments. Pray for your leaders. You know, you know this election, whether we get a president we want or a president we don't, we need to be on our knees praying for that man. Or that woman. I mean, I don't know if there's actually even any women running right now. But we need to be praying for our leaders, for our governors, for our mayors, for our president, for our senate, even our citywide level, you know, for the city councils and for the, you know, the leaders. Just wherever you have to leadership, pray for them. Pray that God works on their heart. Pray that they become saved. Pray that they listen to God. Imagine what would happen to cities if city leadership more took time and sat down and prayed and sought God's leadership on this. You know, if you're if you're if there are any kids watching this, pray for your parents, especially if you still live at home, because you know what, their leadership in your life right now, and they need God's wisdom just as much as anybody. You know, I hope when Amy gets older and she starts talking and she really starts getting the concept of prayer, because that's something we're going to teach in our house. Our daughter is going to. You know, our daughter's going to grow up in a household of faith. And I hope she takes the time to me, Dana. Because parents, you know, I'm gonna, hopefully I get an amen from all the parents here. Parenting doesn't come with an instruction guide other than the Bible. But even then, every kid is different. And every day as a parent, you're just trying to do your best and seek God's favor. So pray if you know if there are any kids watching this, anybody that's living at your parents' home still. Even if actually, you know, even if you're not still living with your parents, take time and pray for them too. They need it. You know, I have to chuckle. I knew my parents needed prayer because they raised me. <laughs> I was not easy. I was not an easy kid at points. Praise God. And uh, my parents still every night. I knew my parents loved me. They were praying for me. I wish I had prayed for them more and, you know, stuff. But take time, pray for them. Continue on. So we're, let's, let's go back into verse 7 quick. Considering the end of it, considering the context of their, the outcome of their conduct. Now, this is a scripture. This next scripture is one we have hanging up in our church uh, on the front left off from the stage. This says, Jesus Christ is the same. Yes, today and forever. Jesus Christ, you know. In the Bible, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, the problem with religion a lot of times is religion says, you know, let us God and Jesus 2,000 years ago. Or God at the beginning of creation or the God of Elijah. Now, it's good to look back. You need to remember. You must know your history. Just like as a nation, we need to back to studying our, the, the history of our nation as, a, as Christians, we need to look back at the history of the faith, of the works of God in times past. But what we must remember, too, is that God is not just the God of yesterday. God isn't just, has done things in the past. God isn't also just only in the future. You know, a lot of times when you hear people talk about God, it's God of tomorrow or God of yesterday. But God is the God of today as well. God is alive in 2020. He is alive today. 
is working today. He is working in power today. Praise God. We are just seeing God active and in work. And you just hear the testimonies from around the world of God working. And you see people's lives still being changed. Why? Because God is alive in 2020. He's still here today. He is still working. And that hasn't changed. And you know what? When tomorrow is today, God is still going to be here today. And he's going to be there tomorrow when tomorrow is today and today is yesterday. Because he isn't—he is not going to change. He is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise God! That is just, man. If you can sit here and think about that and not get happy, you need to think about it. Some more, you know, if that don't light his, in the words of Andrew, if that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. You know what I'm saying, like, praise God. That is just—that is awesome. That we serve a God of today. You know, one of my old instructors, Steve Bartlett, preached about that when we were in the DR on missions. That God is the God of today. You know, a lot of the places we went were very Catholic. And a lot of the he, a lot of the churches in that area, and I, I don't know if this is true of all Catholic churches. I'm just speaking from what I know from his thing. Is that in that area, a lot of it is about the God of the past or the God of the future. But it's always out of reach. God is always way out of reach because either he's in the far past or... Or the far future. But he was always telling God that God is here today with you. You know, there's a play that we have called God with us. Not God was with us. Not God is going to be with us. It's God with us. And there's a song, and I love the line from it. It says, no matter how impossible it seems, I know we're going to get the victory. Because God is with us. I really hope Adam sees that because that is one song that I absolutely love. Um, but, uh, that's the thing is we serve a God that is yesterday, today, and, to, and forever. And you know, what's great about that is because tomorrow will be very soon. Tomorrow will be today and today will be yesterday and forever will still be. Guess what? That scripture hasn't changed any, no matter how many more days we have ahead of us, this scripture is going to be exactly the same. And God is still going to be just as faithful when tomorrow is today. And when today is yesterday, he has been just as faithful. Praise God. Just take time and meditate on that. That you serve a God of today and tomorrow and yesterday. All at once. Praise God. And in verse 9, it says, Do not be carried away with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart is established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. The thing is, is the reason why any good pastor should tell you to open your Bible and read it for yourself is because you need to take anything I say, Wayne, Pastor Wayne says, any other pastor says, back to God's word. Because guess what? We're people. We are still very much human. I still make mistakes. I still say things wrong. In fact, I'm actually really good at putting my foot in my mouth. Um, but praise God, he's faithful and he's, he's merciful. But that's the thing is, we have to take anything that a person says to us about God's word and go look at it for ourselves in God's word. Do you know why people died to print this book? Do you know why for hundreds and thousands of years, people have fought and struggled and suffered and died to keep this book in the hands of people? Because when the Bible becomes only accessible to a few, it becomes war. It becomes perverted because man says, I will take God's word and I will use it as a weapon of power. Any religion does this, by the way. I'm not going to say this just happens in the Bible. People take religion and take books that have been written on religion and twist them for their own use. That's why the Bible is so powerful in the hands of every person. The everyday, the commoner, you know what I'm saying? The Bible is not just for the clergy. And if a pastor ever the Bible's for the clerk just for the clergy, get out of that church. That's a dangerous church to be in. The Bible was for every person, for every man, woman, and child. The Bible is a holy and sacred book, but it is also a book that God wrote for every person. Every, there should be a Bible in every language. 
written for every age range, at all at any time. That's why the Bible went on that have brought the Bible online. Praise God. Not only can we get printable Bibles, but we can get apps. We can get the Bible to places that it's hard to sneak a book into. But man, we can get it online. Praise God. So don't be carried away by various and strange doctrines. Take anything that you read through God's word. See, the problem is, is people will take man's opinion or will take God's word and vet it through man's opinion. Right? So they say... I'm just going to give an example. This is a Bible commentary I was looking at. Now, it's and it's a read alongside, and I'm not... I'm just, I got given it one time, and so I decided to look at it a little bit and just see what I thought of it. But I just want to give an example here. Here's a Bible. Here's a Bible commentary. Here's what a lot of people do. They take the Bible, and they filter it through the commentary, right? They filter of this commentary. The thing is, we need to take the Bible and use it as the filter for anything else we read. It has to be the filter. The minute the Bible is no longer, but instead it's the thing being filtered, we've gotten off track. We need to make sure we're filtering anything that happens through God's word. Let God be true and every person a liar. The minute we change that, that's dangerous. Could you imagine? Th think about that for a minute. The way culture is going is let man be true and let God be a liar. That's dangerous. Oh, man. I don't like thinking about that. That is that is dangerous. We must let God's word be true in every man a liar. And it goes on saying, For it is good that the heart be established by grace. Food, which has been not profitable for those who have been occupied with them. You know, I'm an expert on this verse, to be honest. I mean, I wouldn't even consider myself an expert on the Bible. Just someone that loves reading it. But, you know, the thing of it is, is that it's good that the heart be established by grace and not with food. You know, those people that have let their life be ran by food. When I would get stressed, I would eat. When I was happy, I'd eat. When I was sad, I'd eat. And, you know, I, yeah, I just kind of would filter my life through food. And, I, I, and at points, I still don't, especially if someone's cooking something really good. Um, I don't always have the best self-control around food. And the Lord's been helping me with that. And, you know, he brought along my wife who has been, you know, just good at helping remind me like, honey, you know, you know, be careful, you know, watch what you're eating. And she's saying that because she loves me and she's wanting to make sure that I'm healthy and I'm in good shape for our kids and for, uh, you know, that I can have a long life because I've eaten well. And the thing of it is, is that if you look at that, it's saying, for it's good for the heart, that the heart be established by grace and not foods. When your heart is established in God's grace, let's just not talk about just foods, but let's look at all the different things. What are people's hearts established in? They're established in food, of course. You know, food being just literally, oh, let's go grab a bite to eat. But I'm saying like the fact that we have sustenance, food, water, we have what we need to survive. Money, clothes, um, followers. Let's talk social media for a minute. I know people that live and breathe on whether or not they have followers. And, you know, the thing about it is, is that we have different things our heart's established in, but when those things fail, our heart becomes unestablished and becomes shaky. So instead, we need our heart to be established in the grace of God and by grace and in God's word, because then we will be able to stand when things shake, you know? When there's not enough food, when there's not enough, when there's not enough clothing, when we don't have, when our friends turn their back, mistreat us, and all of a sudden we lose a bunch of Instagram followers, you know, we need to make sure that our hearts are established in God's word. And so make sure you take time to vet where your heart is being established. Amy's in the background providing some music for me, so, you know. We're going to be one of those churches today where they leave a musician on stage to play a little music. I'm going to say something. Amy's going to beat the drum. Hallelujah. It's going to be awesome. Amen, Amy. Hallelujah. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Um, uh, going on in verse 10. <laughs> sorry. 
Going on in verse 10, it says, We have an altar from which those who serve the at the serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside of the camp, bearing his reproach. You know, and again, I, I've talked about a lot about my grandpa here, but you know what? It's just, he's going to be a, apparently a main topic today. My grandpa always talks about this, taking up your cross. He does it literally. If you ever get a chance, I'm not trying to give him a plug, but really take a look at what he does. He takes up a cross and goes walking with it. You know what's cool? People stop and ask him why. What a way to get people's attention, right? Like crosses are not something, I mean, you see them a lot today because of Christianity. You know, you see my bumper stickers and all that, but crosses aren't really used anymore. Like the Roman government isn't nailing people to them anymore because the Roman government doesn't exist. But the thing of it is, is when you go carrying a cross, people ask, People want to know what you're doing, why you're doing it. I mean, I've heard him talk about how he's carrying it through the jungles. And I mean, you know, it's 115 degrees carrying a 70-pound cross. By the way, he's a seven, you know, he's in his late, he's in his early 70s, has had several heart, uh, heart, um, gosh, what am I trying to say? He's had different things they've had to do with his heart. He's had to have a shoulder replaced. And he's still preaching the gospel and carrying a cross. So I don't think there's too many people left in this chat now that can give much of an excuse on why they can't either. But think about that. Taking up our cross. Jesus suffered reproach outside the gate. Jesus did what he did for us. Let us do it as well. Let us take up our cross and follow him. And you know, that means that you're not going to be liked. People aren't going to like you. The gospel isn't about being liked. Yeah, that's the problem sometimes when you run into seeker-friendly churches where they just want to say what people want to hear. If your if your if your preaching the gospel is based off how much people like it, there's a problem. It just needs to be based off whether, regardless of whether or not people like it, you need to be able to speak the word of God with boldness, regardless of what people think. And in verse fourteen. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. That's the thing, is we're we're just visitors. You know, people ask you, where's your home? And I tell them, well, my home is at blank, blank, blank address. And the thing about it is, is that our home is not here, though. I mean, right now, yes, I live. Person? People go, well, you're, you know, your home is earth. Well, no, I'm just passing through. My home, I seek another home, an eternal home, a place that I go to where the Lord's waiting for me. But while I'm here, I'm going to try to take as many people as I can with me. See, that's the thing. The Christian life is telling people, hey, there's better. There's a home you can go home to. You know, for those who are homeless, it is a home. I'm not talking homeless, just literally homeless. I'm talking for those who even feel like they fi can't find a place. They have no home. Nobody understands them. I can tell you of a home. A home that loves you. Mama. Praise God. You know, man, this is really good. For those who feel like they have no place, I've heard people say, you know, I have no home. Maybe they literally live somewhere, but, you know, I just can't find my crowd. I have no home. People just, I can't find people that understand me. God understands you. God loves you loves you and he wants to bring you to his home he wants to bring you home to him and I hope somebody listening to this hears that that God wants you to come home to him stop running away he loves you come on home Verse 15, therefore, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You know, folks, we need to always make sure we're doing this. We're coming to God with an attitude of praise and thankfulness. Think about it, you know. Think about some of the old hymns. You know, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, 
new mercies I see. All I have need of thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Great is God's faithfulness. And we need to make sure we take time to thank him and praise him for what he's done. Even when things aren't going right, thank him for what he has done and what he is doing and what he is going to do. And by faith, let's go back to faith for a minute. You praise God purely out of faith. That You know, you're going through a situation. Life's not going right. You have trouble in your marriage. You have trouble in your family. You have trouble in your finances. Praise God. Lord, we thank you that you are providing the answer. Father, we thank you that you are faithful in this time. Father, we thank you that you are meeting the attitude we need to have. We need to have that attitude of gratitude, you know, that attitude of gratitude, but that attitude of praise and of thankfulness we need to have. You know, recently I want to give a little shout out about this, that God answered one of our needs. You know, we've been leaving, been believing God for uh, some breakthrough on something, for, you know, some, some things. And you know what? We found out recently that he had. We didn't even know it was coming. And all of a sudden, God just, we were looking at something and realized, oh my gosh, God has answered this need. So praise God. But you know what? We've been thanking him for a long time for that. We've been thanking him that he is going to provide our needs, that he is going to take care of us. And you know what? We saw it met. We saw God come through. And then I've just been taking time to thank him for that. So take time to thank God, not only for what he has done and for what he's going to do, but thank him for what he is doing. And thank him that he is doing things even when we can't see him. You know, something like, I thank you, Lord, that, you know what, I can't see it in my life right now, but I thank you, you are working in my life, both to will and to do of your good pleasure, that you are meeting my needs. That's the kind of prayer we need to be praying when we can't see it. Verse 16 says, do not forget to do good and share, for it is with such sacrifices that God is pleased. Don't forget to do good and share. Folks, make sure we're taking time, even in the midst of all this crisis. If you know of a neighbor that's needing something, take care of them. If you know someone that needs Send them food. If you know somebody that's needing finances, send them finances. God is going to take care of your needs, but you also need to make sure you're taking care of other people's needs. You know, they taught this at the school I attended. God brings finances into your life plus others. You know what I'm saying? God brings finances into our lives to bless others. We're blessed not only so that we can have our needs taken care of, but so we can meet others' needs. You know? Our cup overfloweth. You know, the Christian life needs to be passing through. God blessing you and you blessing others with it. Because he'll take care of your needs, but he's going to give you extra to take care of others' needs. And you know what? He might even actually ask you to step out and take care of their need before your need or before your answer arrives. But by faith, you need to be willing to step out and get bless that person before you ever see it show up. Make sure you're doing that. By faith, bless a person who needs it. By faith, you know, donate that money. If you know God's telling you to do it, donate that money. Give that person food, even if you don't see your answer met yet. Because God will not fail you. We have yet, you know what I'm saying? Think about David. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. God will not forsake us. Like he said earlier, I will never leave you forsake you as such do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices god is well pleased let's continue on into verse 17 obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you look for ways to make to bless your pastors your leaders your bosses even even in the secular world because you know what? It's easier. I, I don't know about you guys, but I've had different bosses at different jobs. When their life is easier, my life is easier. So pray for them. Take care of them. Ask them if they need something. Look for ways to take care of your boss. You want to impress your boss? Ask him for how you can help. Tell him, hey, I've gotten this stuff taken care of. What else can I do for you? You'll get their attention real fast. Verse 18, it says, pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience and that all things and in all things desire to live honorably but i especially urge you to do this that i may soon that i may be restored to you sooner you know paul here is saying pray for us that you know we would have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably 
that we would continue to hold that Christian standard. Especially pray that we would be released. Now, right now, as a church, I can say neither one, neither myself or Pastor Wayne are in jail, so we're not really being too concerned about being released. But you know, if we take, if we ask you guys, take time to pray for us, or if your pastors in your churches and in your communities ever ask you, hey, pray for us about something, take the really take time to do that. I see it, and it annoys me to no end. I see it happen too often that people say, I'm going to pray for you. It's the Christian. It's the Christian equivalent of okay. Okay, I hear you. What it actually means is, I'm going to for you. When most Christians say, I'm going to pray for you, what it really means is, I'm going to say this because it sounds spiritual. Facebook's a really good example of this. You see people going, I'm going to pray for you, and you just know deep down, they ain't praying for you. They're putting the sad face on your post, writing, I'm going to pray for you, and they're going on to the next cute kitty. But instead... Make sure you take the time and really pray for people. Our church, as Pastor Wayne has said, is known that we're a church that prays. If you get a hold of us and say you need prayer, we're going to. Pastor Wayne and Judy do this. Myself and Dana have done this before. I know other church leadership and other church members. If we get a text that says, hey, or if we talk to somebody and they say, hey, so-and-so has asked for prayer. Not gossiping, not going, oh, did you hear about so-and-so's having this? We need to pray for them. But really, they came to us and said, hey, I need prayer for this. There have been plenty of times me and Dave stopped what we're doing or put a pause or whatever and have prayed for them. I know Pastor Wayne does the same and Judy as well. I know that um, other members of the church and leadership in the church do the same. We need to make sure we're doing that. We need to take the time to pray for those and for our leaders. You know, pray for President Trump. Pray for all the different governors and mayors. Especially, again, if they're not saved, if they're not Christians, if they are the most liberal, ungodly governor on this in this United States, that means pray for them twice as much. Because they need Jesus even more. Verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is pleasing in his sight through Lord Jesus, who, whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Man, that is a way to wrap up a service right there. May the God of peace, not, you know what I'm saying? God is, God is, may the God of peace who brought up Lord Jesus from the dead, that the great shepherd uh, of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, Make you complete. May God make you complete. That is my prayer for each of you, and I would ask you pray for that for my family as well, that we be complete. Um, I just lost my spot. Gosh. Uh, thank you, Lord. Complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Praise God. I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation, for I have written to you in few words. I just have to laugh. He says, I've written to you in few words. I don't know if Paul meant that literally, but to me, that's kind of ironic. This is few words. This letter, he wrote chapters long, several pages. I wrote to you in a few words. Whew. Paul's few words and my few words are a little bit different. I appeal to you, brethren. Uh, oh, wait, sorry. Uh, verse 23. Know that our brother Timothy has been set free with whom I shall see you if he if he comes shortly. Greet all those who rule over you and all the saints, those in Italy those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. Amen. That is something we need to say more often as people as Christians. We need to be telling each other, grace be with you. Amen. You know guys, this wraps up our this couple of weeks we've been doing through Hebrews and again, we haven't done a full study. We start off in 11 and just kind of worked our way through the faith Kind of, the, I'd say the faith section, but you know, I mean, the whole Bible is the faith section. But you know, I really hope I really you take time today and just meditate on some of the highlights of what we talked about. How Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. How because He says, "I will never leave you nor forsake you," we can boldly say, "The Lord is my helper, who I will not fear. What can man do to me?" The fact that we need to pray for our leadership <coughs> and those who have authority over us. 
that by faith we just continue to live our Christian life. Take time and meditate on these things, guys. Um, I'm going to wrap it up here a little earlier than we normally do, but hey, you know what? That just means take time with your family, have an early lunch. Um, normally this would be the point where a bunch of our church congregation would go to Route B. Uh, right now that's obviously not going to be happening, so um, just take time with family. You know, get outside. I know it's a little cooler than maybe some of us would like, but I'm from Colorado, so this is kind of normal. I've told Dana I'd like to go out for a walk. At points, she looks at me a little crazy just because she's like, there's no reason to be going for a walk at 50 degrees. I, again, I'm from Colorado. It's a little different. But I can understand her point that, you know, and maybe probably wouldn't be the best temperature to take Amy out in either. But, you know, just praise God. Take time with your family. Enjoy it. We love you all. I'm going to just wrap this up with some prayer, and then we're going to just call it a Sunday service, and you guys just have a great day. Father, we just thank you for this time in your word. Father, we thank you that as as I've shared and as people and as, as we've gone through your scriptures, thank you, Lord, that you are just opening our eyes to stuff. Thank you, Lord, that you're just your Holy Spirit is speaking through us. Father, we thank you that we're starting to see, you know, it looks like our nation's gonna start coming out of quarantine and open back up. And Father, we thank you that you are with us, regardless of what the economy's doing, what everything else is doing. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us. I thank you, Lord, that you just bless our family and our church community. And I thank you that, you know, we're all going to be back next Sunday again. And, you know, hopefully soon we're going to be meeting as a congregation again. That we're going to be meeting and seeing each other all again. I've missed it. And I know a lot of people have missed it. So, Lord, we just thank you for this. And we just ask for your protection upon us as we go through this week. Help us to look for ways, for ways to live our life by faith. And we thank you, Lord, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, guys, we love you all. Um, you know, as, as the Collins family, we just want to tell you we love you. Um, as the church pastorship and leadership. And just, again, as you go through this week, look for times to live by faith. Praise God. Just look for ways to live by faith. You guys will have a great day, and we'll see you next week. Love you guys.